Book Ten, Chapter Twelve of Camilla. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Reading by Lars Rolander. Camilla or a Picture of Youth by Fanny Burney, Chapter Twelve. Means to obtain a boon. Mr. Tyrrell was soon by urgent claims forced to leave them, and Camilla, with strong secret anxiety to know if Edgar had caused this blessed meeting, led to a general explanation upon past events. And now, to her utter amazement, she found that her letter sent by the labourer had never been received. Mrs. Tyrold related that she had no sooner read the first letter addressed to her through Lavinia, then softened and affected she wrote an answer of the utmost kindness to belfont desiring camilla to continue with her sister till called for by miss margland in her return home from mrs macdersey the visit meanwhile to cleves had transpired through jacob and much touched by yet much blaming her travelling thus alone she wrote to her a second time charging her to remove no more from belfont without miss margland but on the preceding morning the first letter had been returned with a note from eugenia that her sister had set out two days before for etherington the moment of this intelligence was the most dreadful to mr tyrold and herself of their lives every species of conjecture was horrible he set out instantly for belfont determined to make inquiries at every inn house and cottage by the way but by taking, unfortunately, the road through Alton, he had missed the halfway house. In the evening, while with apprehensions surpassing all description, she was waiting some news, a chaise drove up to the door. She flew out, but saw in it, alone, cold, trembling, and scarce in her senses, Eugenia. Instantly imagining she came with tidings of fatal tendency concerning Camilla, she started back, exclaiming, "'All then is over?' The chaise door had been opened, but Eugenia, shaking too violently to get out, only and faintly answered, "'Yes, my mother, all is over.' The mistake was almost instantaneous death to her, though the next words of Eugenia cleared it up and led to her own dreadful narrative. Bellamy, as soon as Camilla had left Belfont, had made a peremptory demand that his wife should claim, as if for some purpose of her own, a large sum of Sir Hugh. Her steady resistance sent him from the house in a rage, and she saw no more of him till that day at noon, when he returned in deeper, blacker wrath than she had ever yet seen him, and vowed that nothing less than her going in person to her uncle with his request should induce him ever to forgive her when he found her resolute in refusal he ordered a chaise and made her get into it without saying for what purpose she saw they were travelling towards cleves but he did not once speak except where they changed horses till they came upon the cross-road leading to the halfway house suddenly then bidding the postilion stop at the end of a lane he told him he was going to look at a little farm and ordering him to wait made her alight and walked down it till they were out of sight of the man and the carriage fiercely then stopping short 
will you give me he cried your promise upon oath that you will ask your uncle for the money indeed mr bellamy i cannot she answered enough he cried and took from his pocket a pistol good heavens she said you will not murder me i cannot live without the money myself he answered and why should i let you he then felt in his waistcoat pocket whence he took two bullets telling her she should have the pleasure of seeing him load the pistol and that when one bullet had dispatched her the other should disappoint the executioner horror now conquered her and she solemnly promised to ask whatever he dictated i must hold the pistol to your ear cried he while you take your oath see tis loaded this is no child's play he then lifted it up but at the same moment a distant voice exclaimed hold villain or you are a dead man starting and meaning to hide it within his waistcoat his hand shook the pistol went off it shot him through the body and he dropped down dead without sense or motion she fell by his side and upon recovering found herself again in the chaise the postilion who knew her had carried her thither and brought her on to etherington she then conjured that proper persons might go back with the driver and that her father would have the benevolence to superintend all that could be done that would be most respectfully decent the postilion acknowledged that it was himself who had cried hold villain a suspicion of some mischief had occurred to him from seeing the end of a pistol jerk from the pocket of the gentleman as he got out of the chaise and begging a man who accidentally passed while he waited to watch his horses he ran down a field by the side of the lane whence he heard the words the pistol is loaded and for no child's play upon which seeing it raised and the young lady shrink he called out yet eugenia protested herself convinced that bellamy had no real design against either his own life or hers though terror at the moment had conquered her he had meant but to affright her into consent knowing well her word once given with whatever violence torn from her would be held sacred the rest was dreadful accident or providence in that form playing upon himself his own toils the pious young widow was so miserable at this shocking exit and the shocking manner in which the remains were left exposed that her mother had set out herself to give orders in person from the halfway house for bringing thither the body till mr tyrold could give his own directions she found however that business already done the man called by the postilion had been joined by a party of labourers just leaving off work those had gathered others they had procured some broad planks which served for a beer and had humanly conveyed the body to the inn where the landlord was assured the postilion would come back with some account of him though little peggy had only learnt in general that he had been found murdered near a wood eugenia is just now said mrs tyrold in conclusion plunged into an abyss of ideas frightful to her humanity and oppressive to the tenderness of her heart her nature is too noble to rejoice in a release to herself worked by means so horrible and big with notions of retribution for the wretched culprit at which even vengeance the most implacable might shudder 
nevertheless all will imperceptibly pass away save the pity inherent in all good minds for vice and its penalties to know his abrupt punishment and not to be shocked would be inhuman but to grieve with any regard for a man of such principles and conduct would be an outrage to all that they have injured and offended this view of the transaction by better reconciling camilla to the ultimate lot of her sister brought her back to reflect upon her own still she had not gathered with precision how she had been discovered to pronounce the name of edgar was impossible but after a long pause which mrs tyrold had hoped was given again to repose she ventured to say i have not yet heard my dearest mother to what benign chance i immediately owe my present unspeakable unmerited happiness mrs tyrrell looked at her a moment in silence as if to read what her question offered beyond its mere words but she saw her eyes hastily withdrawn from the examination and her cheeks suddenly enveloped with the bedclothes quietly and without turning towards her again she resumed her narrative i engaged the worthy postilion of my poor eugenia to drive me purposing to send ambrose on with him while i waited at the halfway house but about two miles off ambrose who rode before was stopped by a gentleman whom he met in a post-chaise when i came up to him i stopped also it was mr mandelbert camilla who had looked up now again hastily drew back and mrs tyrold after a short pause went on his intelligence of course finished my search my first idea was to convey you instantly home but the particulars i gathered made me fear removing you when i entered your room you were asleep i dreaded to surprise yet could not refrain taking a view of you and while i looked you suddenly awoke ah thought camilla tis to edgar then that ultimately i owe this blessed moment but my father she cried my dearest mother how came my dear father to know where you had found me at belfont he learnt the way you had set out and that eugenia and bellamy were from home and without loss of time regardless of the night and of fasting he returned by a route through which he traced you at every inn where you had changed horses he also entered as you were sleeping and we watched together by your side again filial gratitude silenced all but itself and sleep the softest she had known for many months soon gave to oblivion every care in camilla the changeful tide of mental spirits from misery to enjoyment is not more rapid than the transition from personal danger to safety in the elastic period of youth tis the epoch of extremes and moderation by which alone we learn the true use of our blessings is a wisdom we are frequently only taught to appreciate when redundance no longer requires its practice camilla from sorrow the most desolate bounded to joy that refused a solicitude and from an illness that held her suspended between delirium and dissolution to ease that had no complaint the sufferings which had deprived her of the benefit of rest and nourishment were no sooner removed than she appeared to be at once restored to health though to repair the wastes of strength some time yet was necessary 
Mrs. Tyrrell determined to carry her this afternoon to Etherington. The remains of the wretched Bellamy, in a coffin and hers brought from Winchester, had been sent to Belfont in the morning, and Mr. Tyrold had followed to give every direction that he should be buried as the master of the house, without reference to the conduct which had forfeited all such respect. Though the evil committed by the non-deliverance of Camilla's letter was now past all remedy, Mrs. Tyrrell thought it every way right to endeavour to discover where the blame, and by the two usual modes of menace and promises, she learned that the countryman, when he stopped to drink by the way, had, in lighting his pipe, let the letter take fire, and fearing to lose the recompense he had expected, had set his conscience apart for a crown, and returned with the eventful falsehood which had made Camilla think herself abandoned, and her friends deplore her as lost. For the benefit of those with whom in future he might have to deal, Mrs. Tyrrell took some pains to represent to him the cruel evils his dishonesty had produced, but stupid rather than wicked, what he had done had been without weighing right from wrong, and what he heard was without understanding it. Camilla found with extreme satisfaction that Mrs. Tyrrell, notwithstanding the strictness of the present family economy, meant liberally to recompense Mrs. Marl for the trouble and patience with which she had attended to a guest so little profitable, while Peggy, to whose grateful remembrance she owed the consideration she had met with in her deserted condition, was rewarded by a much larger sum than she had ever before possessed. Camilla was obliged to confess she had parted with two pledges for future payment. The watch was reclaimed without difficulty, but she showed so much distress in naming the locket, that Mrs. Tyrrell, though she looked anxiously surprised, demanded it without inquiring into its history. The excess of delight to Camilla in preparing to return to Etherington rendered her insensible to all fatigue till she was descending the stairs, when the recollection of the shock she had received from the corpse of Bellamy made her tremble so exceedingly that she could scarce walk past the door of the room in which it had been laid. "'Ah, my dearest mother!' she cried. "'This house must give me always—' the most penetrating sensations. I have experienced in it the deepest grief and the most heart-soothing enjoyment that ever, perhaps, gave place one to the other in so short a time." Ambrose had announced their intended arrival, and at the door of the house the timid but affectionate Lavinia was waiting to receive them, and as Camilla, in alighting, met her tender embraces, a well-known voice reached her ears, calling out in hurried accents, "'Where is she? Is she come indeed? Are you quite sure?' And Sir Hugh, hobbling rather than walking into the hall, folded her in his feeble arms, sobbing over her. "'I can't believe it for joy, poor sinner that I am, and the cause of all our bad doings. How can I have deserved such a thing as this, to have my own little girl come back to me?' which could not have made my heart gladder if i had no share in all this bad mischief which god knows i've had enough owing to my poor head doing always for the worst for all my being the oldest of us all 
which is a thing i've often thought remarkable enough in the point of my knowing no better which however i hope my dear little darling will excuse for the sake of my love which is never happy but in seeing her the heart of camilla bounded with grateful joy at sight of this dear uncle and at so tender a reception and while with equal emotion and equal weakness they were unable to support either each other or themselves the worthy old jacob his eyes running over came to help his master back to the parlour and mrs tyrold and lavinia conveyed thither camilla who was but just placed upon a sofa by the side of her fond uncle when the door of an inner apartment was softly opened and pale wan and meagre eugenia appeared at it saying as faintly yet with open arms she advanced to camilla let me too your poor harassed and but half alive eugenia make one in this precious scene let me see the joy of my kind uncle the revival of my honoured mother the happiness of my dear lavinia and feel even my own heart beat once more with delight in the bosom of its darling sister my so mourned but now for ever i trust restore to me most dear camilla camilla thus encircled in her mother's uncle's sister's arms at once gasped sighed smiled and shed tears in the same grateful minute while fondly she strove to articulate am i again at etherington and at cleves in one and thus indulgently received thus more than forgiven my heart wants room for its joy my mother my sisters if you knew what despair has been my portion i feared even the sight of my dear uncle himself lest the sorrows and the errors of a creature he so kindly loved should have demolished his generous heart mine my dearest little girl cried the baronet why what would have signified in comparison to such a young one as yours that ought to know no sorrow yet awhile god knows it being time enough to begin for it's but melancholy at best the cares of the world which if you can't keep up now will be overtaking you at every turn mrs tyrold entreated camilla might be spared further conversation eugenia had already glided back to her chamber and begged this one solacing interview over to be dispensed with from joining the family at present camilla was removed also to her chamber and the tender mother divided her time and her cares between these two recovered treasures of her fondest affection end of chapter 12 read by lars rolander